Hi, everyone. I am airing my conference presentation that I did for the Scandinavian Freedom.News organization. It's a group based in Denmark, and they focus on uh, all of Scandinavia, so Norway, Denmark, Sweden, uh, Finland, those areas of the world. But they're also more of an international group, too. So my presentation today, I am focusing on the state of our country, but also from really the state of Minnesota as a microcosm of our country. And I'm making the case that Minnesota is being used as the globalist launching pad for their technocracy, their Marxist technocracy, globalist thing that they're doing. And why Minnesota is ripe for that. And, and then I'm going to talk about the different extreme legislation that's getting being passed in this state that I, I grew up in. So I, I'm watching this state just transform behind, you know, right in front of my eyes. But the legislation, I'm going to make a case on how it's some of it's the most extreme in the world. And you'll be able to see it. I hope that this presentation gives people, opens up people's eyes and also makes you more aware of what to look for in legislation and what they're actually trying to do. That's the goal of this presentation. And I hope you enjoy it. I hope you share it. And thank you very much for being a supporter of mine. You can go to sarahwestall.com, sign up for my newsletter. Also, I want to remind you that if you have not bought gold and silver yet to protect your assets, I recommend that you contact Miles Franklin, info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them that Sarah sent you and you'll get the best prices in the country that's guaranteed and the best services if you tell them Sarah sent you. So make sure you tell them Sarah sent me and they guarantee me you will get that kind of service and the best prices. So do that before it's too late. We know as this, these dollars are going to flood back to the country, that's when we're going to see hyperinflation and you're going to want to protect your assets. I also got to say that I am not license to give you financial advice. So anything that you do, you need to do on your own. And that's what I'm doing. I've been doing for over 10 years now preparing because I know this is going down. So anyways, I hope you enjoyed this presentation and here we go. Okay. Well, hi everyone. Thank you Mads for inviting me to speak today. I really appreciate it. I wanted to get this information out to the world. I'm going to be, well, before I get into what I talk about, I need to tell you about me. I am a independent journalist. I'm an engineer by training. I've run, I've built and ran companies. So I'm an entrepreneur. I taught at the University of Minnesota Business School for about five years until I was no longer allowed. And I'm also the founder of United for Free Speech, which we put on a censored conference. We just started doing this a few months ago and where it's really starting to take off. Um, we're trying to push back Google and big tech and the censorship that is originating in the United States, but hitting the entire world. And I'm also the host of uh, Business Game Changers podcast and an editor of a new site. That's my website, sarahwestall.com. So I invite all of you to go to sarahwestall.com or unitedforfreespeech.com and see what I'm doing. But this topic, I want to talk about the state of America, the state of our country, but I'm going to specifically talk about a microcosm of what's going on. And I'm going to talk about the state of Minnesota, which is where I was, I was born and raised in. And it's unfortunately the state that looks like uh, it's becoming the forefront of this movement. 
the movement, the communists, the Marxists, the actually it's a technocracy movement, globalist movement that is in our country is taking the color of Marxism that really has a technocracy behind it that will, I mean, they're using it to, for, for that rise. But the legislation that has happened in my state is the most extreme in the world. It's definitely the most extreme in the country. And many people point to California, the state of California being the leader of this, but it looks like our state is emerging. And people who don't know what who, where, what Minnesota is, where, where George Floyd riots occurred, where, where the defund the police movement really is forming in this country, we, um, the state is about the size of Denmark. It's about the size of a medium-sized European country. There's about 25 countries. We're right in the middle when I look. 25 countries are smaller and 25 countries are bigger and we're the size of Denmark. We are um, larger than Finland, Norway, and Ireland, and, you know, of course, many other uh, countries. Why is Minnesota... Why would it be a target? Why would we be a target for this? A lot of it comes down to our attitudes. We are very much, um, we're more passive. They, they call us Minnesota nice. Um, people who know Ole Damagard, he's come on my show and he's talked about Sweden and how he believes that Sweden is the center of a lot of um, the globalists. You know, they try, they do a lot of experimentation there in the center of where they do a lot of things because of the people from Sweden are more passive. Well, we have a huge migration from that part of the world. Norway, Sweden, Finland is really, a, they call us the Scandinavian state. And so we have a lot of those same personality traits. You know, our football team is called the Vikings. I mean, because we're so much from that area, but the Minnesota nice makes us more passive and when things happen here the pushback is is pretty short and timid and so they can do a lot of things here uh i've had interviews with um jimmy boots who's detective rothstein he's a human trafficking he took down more pedophile networks than anybody else in the country he grew up in minnesota and then moved out to new york did his detective work and takedown work he's an amazing hero in in our country taken down more pedophile networks in the world he worked with the first pope john paul to try to clean up the church and that pope was killed a month later i did a whole series of interviews with him and then he moved back to minnesota and he's a, a mayor in a small town and retired and he's older but we we did a lot of interviews and he talked about how so many of the people come that are trafficked come from Minnesota because of our attitudes here. We're more naive, very naive, um, uh, just the Midwestern naive attitudes. And so they even had a strip in New York called the Minnesota Strip, where they would have the prostitutes that come from Minnesota, traffic from Minnesota. And so they specifically targeted um, Jimmy Boots or Jim Rothstein to uh, be the detective because he was from this area. So he could understand the, the culture and the people. And, it, and he woke up very quickly to what was going on. But that's why I think Minnesota is being so heavily targeted. But we also just recently in the last election have, it's called the trifecta, they call it, the Minnesota trifecta or the government trifecta, where the House, the Senate, and the governor, all three branches of of 
of the government are controlled by the Democrats. The Democrats are the ones who are pushing in this globalist agenda. The sad part is that the majority, the mass majority of the Democrats have no idea they're part of this, this agenda. They tend to be the most, gotta say, they tend to be the more naive, brainwashed people in our society. And they believe, they really, most of them are just really good-hearted people that really believe in what they're doing. And they're the ones who took the whole COVID narrative hook, line, and sinker. They're the ones that got the shots. They're the ones who wear, wore the mask that nobody pushed back. They're the ones that are crying to be brainwashed because they believe everything and they don't question the government. And they also want to be good people. And so they're, they got the Minnesota nice thing going on. And they're also... Um, uh, you know, they be they believe what the government has to say, so they're very easily brainwashed. And the other thing about Minnesota that made this uh, a real prime place to take advantage of us is we had a pretty, we're not, we really aren't historically just a Democrat state. We were pretty well managed conservatively from a fiscal standpoint. So we have a huge surplus of almost $18 billion dollars. So they can implement all, it's like a candy store. They can implement all these things and the people aren't going to push back that much because they're not feeling it financially yet. Whereas in California, they, they have such a dire financial situation. They're the only state in the country that hasn't reported their finances for the last three years. So the people are pushing back. They're trying to divide the, the state into two and all these people are pushing back. And so we don't have that here. We're a very conforming group of people. And, and so they went to town implementing their agenda and boy, did they ever, I mean, they, the legislation that was passed in this last year is wide, you know, it's eye-opening. And people are calling it the, the Democrat progressive agenda. They're calling it the Minnesota miracle because of the legislation that has passed. Uh, there are some areas, uh, you know, I went through, I just really did a deep dive into what the, all this different legislation is so people can have an idea of where things are moving in a more concrete way. And some of the stuff is actually really great. Of course it is. They they want to appease people. If if you look at like the tenant relationships and the uh, tenant agreements, they came up with some really, I did not disagree with almost anything that was put in there. And I don't think a reasonable person would, you know, simple things like they should be able to do an audit of their apartment before so that after the landlord can't take their deposit claiming that they did damage that was already there before they left. I mean, just really simple, really good things for tenants and nobody really complained and everybody's applauding it. it. The thing is, is it was the most changes that we've seen in over 165 years of the state's history. And that 165 year change, the most changes in the state's history is like that in all these different areas. The thing is that people don't realize that so many so many extreme measures have been passed that the average people in the state hear all these other good things and they're so happy about it. They're not hit financially and they're not hearing about the other parts of the extreme legislation. In fact, if you talk to some of these people and you try to tell them, you know, with, I'm going to talk about some of the abortion, I mean, there's a whole bunch of issues I'm going to talk about abortion. You tell them some of the extreme measures that were passed, they won't even believe it you have to show them the actual legislation because the narrative and the messaging in the media 
is so whitewashed and it's so pro beautiful, you know, how we just want to take care of people and we love you and they won't tell you all these little details. And so the, the, the people who are supporting it don't even believe it unless you show it, show them the legislation directly. And then even if you show them the legislation directly, they say, well, that's not what it means. And so you have to like show them. And then you, you, it's so difficult because you don't have their, their attention long enough they write you off so quickly you don't have their attention long enough for them to be able to see to get the foundation of why this is the situation it is and they don't believe the legislation they think it's benign so we have a that that's a definition of brainwashing and cult right it's part of a cult they're brainwashed they just can't believe it they can't believe that the covid measures no matter how many people were killed they cannot believe that the COVID measures were not meant to help people. This was about helping and saving lives. We were one of the last states in the country just until a couple months ago, they were still government funded ads to get people to take their booster shots. It, it's, it's been ongoing continually, you know, in many countries that in areas it stopped, but not this state, it stopped just a couple months ago which is is just incredible. When you look at, you know, the governor, his name is Walls. He says, we're an island of decency up here. And he says that the other conservative state, the other states are not decent, you know, like because they're trying to push back on all these things. And so let me let me talk about some of the, the measures that are happening here. Um, let's talk about legislation on abortion. Um, it's by almost all measures and by people who are abortion activists, it's considered the most extreme abortion legislation in the world. And it's, um, there, there's so many measures that this is an example of, of measures that people don't believe is actually going on. Not what isn't extreme is they redefine the abortion as a fundamental right. And this is pretty much universally accepted in the Western world. And, you know, people, people think it's a universal right. It's the details behind that that make it extreme and how long you can have abortion and so forth. And so what they've talked about in the media is that abortion is, is a universal right. They talk about these things. And so they've really captured the hearts and minds of the average person to say, well, yeah, it's a right, of course. But they never talk about the details of what's actually behind it. So hey, let's talk about some of the extreme measures. In this state, a woman can have an abortion anytime for any reasons under any circumstance, no question asked, up to the time that the, the baby is born. They also repealed the law saying that babies that are born alive should be um, the medical, whatever you, the, the medical available, you know, treatments at the time, they should be able to apply that to a baby who's alive. No longer do they have to do that. So if a woman has a baby or has an abortion, the day of her um, time she's supposed to be delivered, the baby's born to lie, uh, alive, legally they can let that baby die. Um, it's extreme in the sense that taxpayers now fund abortions. We are being forced to fund it. Um, they also, while they are increasing this, they're defunding the services for poor pregnant mothers um, we've had cri pregnancy crisis centers all over the state, and they are defunding them, and they're going after them to shut them down. Doctors no longer need, it's not necessary for a doctor to perform the surgery. 
On top of that, they eliminated the reporting law of collecting the basic data on the what practices are used, the injuries and the deaths resulting from these abortions. So not only are they getting rid of the doctor performing it, they're also getting rid of the tracking. So they have no idea any, but they're just not tracking how it's going to happen. They got rid of that law. What is normal is that blacks and people of color make up the disproportionate amount of the abortions that go on. This is part of the population control agenda. And I'm going to talk more about that. And blacks make up 7% of the population in this state, but they account for almost 30% of the abortions. White people make up about 80% of the people in this state and only account for 40% of the abortions. I have a graph that I wanted to show you to prove this to you. Hopefully you can, can you see this? This is the graph of, you know, white people. You can see how disproportionate it is, the white people versus the, um, the black people. And it's, it's obvious that they're targeting different communities. The, the abortion clinics are in the black communities. Now, if you tell people that they are targeting you, this is specific on, on purpose, they would never believe you. It doesn't matter what you show. And so, you know, we're, we're in this situation because of, of that. But let me talk a little bit more about, um, cause I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, a hardcore abortion activist. I, what I am trying to show people is this is a population agenda. This is a communist agenda. I looked across the entire world to see who else has these this type of extreme agenda. And of course, California is right neck and neck with us, but ours is considered more extreme because of all these different measures that I just got done talking about. But California has uh, uh, abortion up to 28 days after the baby's born and they can't do any investigation. The reason why abortion activists think that Minnesota is more extreme than California is that is really a, it's pretty rare, but the other measures um, California doesn't have. So our whole package is more extreme, but we are, don't, you know, don't think otherwise. Minnesota is working very hard to get the abortion after birth, if you can believe it, up to 28 days after birth, they're trying to say that it, that abortion should be had, and it is legal. That is the law of the land in California. Okay, so I looked across the country to see, or the world, to see who else um, has these kind of these policies. Of course, China has policies like this. They did not have abortion was banned in China until 1935, until the Mao, until Mao took over. But even when Mao first took over, abortions were still banned because they were trying to raise the the workers. They wanted um, the population to grow with the type of workers that they wanted. So it was banned. But once they had a population crisis, they started opening it up and they used it. They called it a, a population measure to reduce the population. They weren't, it's not like here where they're masking it is women's rights and, and things because they have to with the way our culture is. There, they were just open. This is population control we are abortion measure for population control and for, um, they don't say eugenics, they say population control. Um, I have one more country I want to talk about that does talk about eugenics, but they, um, they opened it up and then up until they called it remedial measures for controlling the population size. And then until 19, um, until 2015, we, cause they had the one child policy. Now they're trying to, they're changing. So China's moving away from these policies. They have a two child and a three child policy attitudes 
or in China. And so their attitudes are changing. The National Health Commission announced direct measures towards reducing non-medical necessary abortions. They're expanding, increasing the fundancy of pre-pregnancy healthcare, you know, crisis centers. So while China's moving away from these policies, we're moving directly towards them. And so we're more extreme than China right now when it comes to uh, abortion policies. Japan is the other country in the world that had these kind of policies, and they openly called it the eugenics protection law. And after um, they, it was outright banned until 1948, until they had a population problem. And then um, they said they were, it was called the eugenic, eugenic protection law, and it was to foster a genetically healthy population. <laughs> which, you know, and then they targeted economically distressed women. If they were economically distressed, they were allowed to have an abortion and they were heavily targeting poor women to have abortions. And then in 1996, um, the activists were able to change the attitudes, change the laws. And now it's after 24 weeks, you can no longer have an abortion. They dropped all the eugenicist references and they no longer um, have that. So uh, these countries, the difference is that these countries are very honest. This is about population control and about eugenicists. You know, they, these people are about reducing certain certain types of populations, and they're honest about it, and they don't have to hide it. In this state, they're not honest about it. In this country, they're not honest about it. But but the numbers prove otherwise. And it's, it's a pretty sad situation. I looked all over the world to see if there's anyone, any other countries that have even come close. And, uh, you know, all the Western countries have restrictions after 24 weeks is about the max. Most um, countries in Latin America, um, actually, I think they go to extreme the other direction. Some, there's a few countries that ban it under all circumstances, even the mother's uh, risking the mother's life. Now, I think that's extreme very extreme in the other direction. But the point is, is that this is the most extreme situation in the world when it comes to liberal policy, policies about abortion. Okay, so now I'm going to move on to another topic, which has been in the news all over the place. And that's the, the fact that transgender, you know, they've really been pushing transgender um, surgeries and the transgenders on youth, which has really been scary. And most people believe, scientists that I've talked to, researchers that I've, doctors that I've talked to, that this is also a um, psyop, if you will. It's a measure to remove the whole idea of gender in society. And so this is the first real huge push. It's not organic. Most people don't believe in these measures, but they're pushing it through anyways. They, like I said, we have a very naive very captured base of people who are like, well, we got to be good. We got to be good to these people. We care about these people. And of course we care about these people, but they're pushing it on young people. And they're, they're, they've gone as far. We're the only state in the country that has gone as far as saying that not allowing, um, they've, they're reframing it as not allowing transgender services like, um, youth hormonal blocks and things like that as before you go into puberty, they're saying that they're reframing that as child abuse and that the neglect of the child so that they can do, you know, pull the child out of the home under those circumstances. People are terrified because the way the legislation is written is exactly that. Now they haven't pulled children out of the home yet, but the, because the legislation has just taken effect, 
but the the wording is to that. If you don't allow a young child to go through puberty blockers and a sex change, you can be, they can be forcibly removed out of your home. Now they didn't say it like that. They worded it um, more that not allowing it is, is um, not taking care of your child. Here I have the actual words that they say. They say that gender affirming care is what am I, not allowing gender affirming care amounts to the definition of a child in need of protective services in our state. That's the exact wording. And so that's why people are very scared about this. Um, but we also passed this trans health refugee bill in this state. That means that regardless of the child's age, um, there's no minimum age set. I mean, if, if a, according to the law, if they want a two-year-old to make a transition, they can. Now, I don't know if the the centers will allow that, but the law allows it. Um, the states, the, no, we cannot interfere now with any state. So basically, any there's states all over the country that are starting to ban it and view it as child abuse. This state is saying we are a sanctuary city. If you come from a neighboring state that wants to have your child get these services, you can come here. We will not extradite you back to the state. You are protected. This is a protected area and you can get your services. Uh, and then we also pay for them too. <laughs> we pay for these services for people. So um, uh, the only other state in the country that does that right now is California. So we are, we've joined them. We also have grants and medical assistant to assistance to transgender services. So the state's starting to pay for that too. It's it's pretty crazy. We've had our, our Minnesota sort of our Minnesota Supreme Court has ruled that trans athletes can, you know, this has been all over the news too, but our state Supreme Court now has ruled on it. And that is setting a precedent across the country that transgender athletes uh, must be allowed to play on. So if a male, a transgender male must be allowed to play on a female high school level uh, sport team and um, and college team. And so if the if the the boy claims to be a female and they've gone through no hormonal changes, no hormone blockers, no sex change. They're just a man who says they now identify as a woman. They can go compete against women in their sports. And now it's legally protected for them to do that. There was a man who won the case. The, the man who won the case was a weightlifter. He went into the open national competition and beat all females in the country and that is now legally protected for him to do that. No surgery, no hormone blockers, nothing. So he naturally has it. So that's, we created that legislation here. I think to most reasonable people, that just seems absurd, uh, especially weightlifting. I, I just, I, it seems absurd to me. But we all know that this is not, it's important because it's not about gay and lesbians' rights. This is not about being, a, a, about bashing them around. This is about removing gender identity. This is about, is actually, uh, uh, to the people that I talk to who are um, gay and lesbian, who were activists, they're saying this is actually discriminatory against gays and lesbians because they're saying that it's not natural to be a gay or lesbian normally that you should go through the sex change. There was Bill Gates, people who know Bill Gates, the notorious Bill Gates. He gave a presentation that I saw about eight years ago and he was talking about um, 
I, I believe it was Iran, they have the most advanced sex change uh, procedures in the world. And the reason they do is because they say they, they don't have anybody who's gay or lesbian in their country because anybody who's gay or lesbian, lesbian are forced to get a sex change. So Iran has the best medical procedure. They're the best at it in the world because of that. And, you know, with Bill Gates being a depopulation eugenicist and him talking about that, it makes you wonder about, I mean, I can't prove it. I'm just going to throw that out there. But we do know he's um, heavily into eugenics. He's a heavily eugenicist and a depopulation. He's funds, he funds depopulation um, groups and nonprofits around the world. His father was led Planned Parenthood, which is the abortion, the government-funded abortion group in the state. So we know he's very much into that. And so the fact that he talked about that makes me wonder. I can't prove that he's behind it. Just makes me wonder. Okay. Um, there's also additional disturbing legislation that's harmful for children. Some of this I have to bring up on screen because it's just incredible. I mean, you can't even believe they would do this. They passed, they've taken significant steps to protect pedophilia as a protected sexual orientation. Now, um, the detective Rothstein we talked about in the beginning, he infiltrated a lot of these groups. And when I was talking to him, he was talking about when he infiltrated these groups back in the 80s and 90s. Well, this was back in the 80s, but other um, people have blown the whistle on this as well. But back in the 80s, they were already talking about how they want to normalize pedophilia and how do we change the laws to normalize this. They are There are activist groups who are also blowing the whistle on the United Nations and things they're doing when it comes to normalizing pedophilia. We do know that this is a, um, a very orchestrated, legit movement that they're trying to normalize this. And our state has led the way once again on this. And what happened was there was language in the bill. Let me pull this up because you just, you have to look at it because it's just insane incredible that they're actually doing this there's two pictures that i want you to see that they removed okay this is actual what a uh, senator in the state hopefully you can see this um a senator in the state actually applied to get this removed from led from the bill and basically, they removed the exact language. The physical or sexual attachment to children by an adult is not a protected class under this chapter. They want to remove that language. And then they also want to. Um, oh, here's the actual bill where they removed it. It's just so crazy. I mean, you can't believe it unless you see it, because how could they possibly do this? Hopefully you can see this. This is the actual language that they removed from the bill. And what happened is the people actually learned about it and they huge backlash by the people. And people don't want this. They don't want to normalize pedophilia. Huge backlash. And so the House in, in the state, um, which is one branch of the government, unanimously agreed to keep the language in the bill. Then it went to the Senate. And the Senate changed it under the color of night. Nobody knew it, added, removed the language, and then passed it. And people, and, and then they, then there was a media silence on it. And so then 
people aren't aware that this is actually occurring. So now it's the law of, in Minnesota that this um, language has been removed. So that's where we're at there. Hopefully you can see me again. I don't, you know, I don't even know what to say about that. That is, that's pretty extreme. And when you approach people on this, first of all, they don't believe it. And then the reaction by the Democrats are that it's benign. It's not meant that way. Then why did you put so much energy to remove this? It doesn't make sense if it was benign and not meant this way. It doesn't make sense. Now, two years ago, they were claiming that transgender surgery um, for just wanting to push it or wanting to um, allow it for children. They claim that that was conspiracy theory. Now, they not only claim it's true, they're pushing it. They change the legislation. They claim if you're against it, you are a bigot. And if you're against it for your kids, you are um, a child abuser. That's where it's moving towards. So that's how fast this stuff moves. So people need to be hyper aware and alert when they see this kind of legislation going through. Other things that they're trying to do that is um, crazy, that we have a program across the country, it's called CARA, which the kids that are in protective services, um, our child protective services, ad adults from the community volunteer to um, be the only person from the community that is involved in their process and they volunteer their time to make sure this child is okay. They have shown across the country that this program has helped immeasurably with the kids, the outcomes of children in the homes. They, you know, they, their health is better. Their mental health is better. They're less likely to be trafficked. They're more likely to be taken care of properly. They're not going to be starved or beaten or sexually abused. These, these are seasoned people from the community that take a, an interest in these kids. They also go into the court system and help them out. So the stats on how great this program is, is through the roof. I mean, double, multi, 30% better outcomes. I mean, just through the roof. I wish I had all these outcomes. It's just so, it's so great. It's a great program. This state is wanting to remove this program. They want to remove all CARA volunteers. They only want it to be state that is involved with the kids. With only, we're the first state moving in this direction. And um, they only want, the state has low paid workers. Each, each worker gets about 120 kids that they have to manage. A CARA volunteer gets one to four kids. They really care about this. They become their adopted kid almost. They really care about these kids. The state worker has 120 kids. No matter how great the state worker is, they aren't going to be able to give them that kind of attention. They also are um, lower paid workers. There's high burnout and turnover rate in these, these this area. Get back to my detective Boots, my detective Rothstein story. He says that this is where we are ripe for taking children, taking people for trafficking. And you got to wonder, why are they moving in this direction? When we know that Child Protective Services is the number one place where children are taken and put into trafficking situations. And now they're moving in this direction and they're getting rid of the most productive, best way to keep children from being trafficked. So that is my pet peeve and I, my beef with this is that they are blatantly doing something that's going to be very harmful for children and put them in very precarious situations. For sure, we can prove it. 
and they're doing it anyways. So this is an example of the state wanting to completely control and raise your kids and get rid of all community involvement in that way. And this is extreme. It's very extreme. Um, okay, now I'm going to move to treatment of immigrants. We have one of the most extreme laws in the country when it comes to treatment of immigrants. Now we're seeing this all over Europe where they're, you know, the immigrants are flooding into different countries. But in this state, what they've just um, allowed is that immigrants now will get um, illegal immigrants who are undocumented immigrants, illegal immigrants will now get free college and university paid for. Whereas many people in the state will not qualify it because they have a threshold, a low threshold of $80,000, which that means if two workers are, are working and they're barely making two mother, father, and a family barely making above minimum wage, you would not qualify for this service. But an immigrant who wants to go to school, school illegally here will qualify. That's why people are upset about it. I don't know if I have any problems with you know, making sure people have what they need but this is the extreme part is there, it's really biased to helping immigrants. The other thing is they um, changed the, the driver's license laws. So in this state, you can vote if you have a, a driver's license. And they now, illegal immigrants can get a driver's license, which is what it is. But they don't go, when you go to vote, they don't check to make sure that you're a citizen of the state. So illegal immigrants, if they have driver's license, will be able to vote. And that's the worry. And I have all sorts of evidence showing them that 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 is the case, that that's going to happen. And of course, if you allow illegal immigrants to vote, they're going to more vote for the party that, you know, this party. Although I I think there's a ton of evidence to show too that uh, all these elections have been fixed and um, or at least highly manipulated and including in this state to go towards the candidates that they want. And there's so much evidence to that, especially since 2020. Um, I think the world saw the, the coup that happened at our president level, that we don't have a legitimate president. The president that is sitting in office was not elected president. Yeah, was he um, uh, confirmed? Yes, but most of those people are also blackmailed or something. We have some serious issues in this country when you have a president who is not elected by the people. And not only not elected, not elected in, in um, very high numbers. And because our mass media is so controlled, it's so controlled, we have a brainwashed population and our, our courts are very controlled. The evidence, which is so obvious, we have so, I mean, I, have an, I had an auditor who, who's been doing, who's a CPA and election auditor for over 25 years and went through every single state and everything. And he's like, it's so obvious. And this is what I do. This is what my, and this information will not get into courts. We can't get anywhere with it. So obvious that the election was stolen in 2020. And by, by CPAs and election auditors that have been doing this their whole life are like, this is are their most of their career, 25 years. And the case that I'm talking about, it, it can't get any more concrete, the evidence, and we can, can't get anywhere with it. And so that's the situation we're dealing with. In this state, 
I mean, it gets, there's so much more stuff happening in the state. I mean, we've had with COVID, I know the guest right before talked about COVID in this state, we had, um, we were one of the only states in the country that was sending people who to nursing homes, young people or anybody's, you know, people in their forties, anybody with COVID that didn't have a place to stay, they were sending them to nursing homes and then they were infecting the, um, the population there. And then these people were dying and this state continued to do it. Would be, it hit the media back in like April, 20, 2021, that this was going on. And um, there was happening in New York and Michigan and California. Well, it's happening in Minnesota in a higher percentage than all over the country. And the media was silent about it. And it continued here when all the rest of the states stopped, it continued here for another two months longer than everywhere else. And we have the largest percentage of deaths in nursing homes after COVID. And of course, we know the protocols and everything was so skewed. And you've had many people probably talk about this. Our state had the worst stats on that when it came to nursing homes. Okay. Violence in Minnesota. Uh, I have, I'm not, I'm not going to bring it up, but I have a CNN headline that says, um, that we are, we've been termed the murder, murder Apollos instead of Minneapolis, um, because we have, we're the, we're the defund, fund the police after George Floyd movement. It was kind of the center of that here in this state or in this country. And our heightened, our violent crime has risen double digits since then. And in fact, gunshot crimes is up by 83%. And it's not because, um, the, it, it's because of this defund police movement because the police are not visible. We don't even we don't even reach the legal threshold of the number of police that need to be there. Police don't want to be there. They've been attacked, and it's it's awful. I'm not defending maybe what some of the bad stuff the police has done because there are in you know they need to be educated. They need to. There's all these things that could be better, but their solutions are sending social workers in to deal with violent situations. They have these community groups, but nothing is changing. The violent crime is rising. The criminals are more brazen because the police aren't doing anything about it. And the communities are pushing back if the police do, and the police don't want to get involved because of how they've been persecuted over so many things. So we have this powder keg of violence going on in this state, and it's destabilizing, which is what they one of it's destabilizing the communities. And, you know, of course, last but not least, we're leading the country on carbon neutral. Um, you know, the, the central bankers want to move to a carbon neutral. It's a way of controlling, you know, the central bankers have their annual meetings in Jackson Hole, Wyoming once a year. And they talk about, you know, all the things they want to do. Well, starting in 2018, they were wanting, they said this out loud. Um, the head of, you know, Carney, who was head of the world, I think he was head of the world bank at the time. It, there's multiple ones that said this. Um, but he was the first one that said it in his speech. And they're talking about wanting to go to carbon credits and they want to bypass governments of the world and define the budgets for them based on carbon credits and carbon, carbon neutrality. Of course, we know that carbon is plant food. We know there's pollution in the world. We know there's these things. They're not focusing. If they cared about pollution and all these things, they would be focusing on the things that mattered the most and not be focusing silliness on carbon where they can control industries and can control the future. It's a, it's a control mechanism. 
But because these people have been brainwashed so much, and you know, a lot of the people who are the the form, there's been a guy who was a foremost on environmental um, issues, and he's come out against this now. And he used to be all over uh, Times Magazine and all these things. He was their boy. I wish I had his name on the top of my head. Now he's like, oh my god, these people are not focusing on the priorities. I mean, if you're against carbon, why don't you plant more trees? Why don't you build up the plant life so that we could deal with the carbon or make sure that the, I mean, that would solve our issue. They're not solving the issues that are real. I have a chart that I'm not going to pull pull up, but it it's encapsulate because I got to find it. I didn't have it ready, but encapsulate, encapsulates this whole issue that in the last hundred years, we have, we are hotter or we are colder than it's been um, this last hundred years are colder than it's been in the last 9,900 years. So global warming is a hoax because the last 9,900 years on this planet, it's been hotter than it is today in the last hundred years. And the reason they convince you global warming, because they zoom way into just the past 50 years and it's been getting hotter. What they don't do is zoom out and show you that 9,900 years of the last 10,000 years has been hotter than it is today. And it's more based on where the sun and the earth is in our galaxy and where the sun is rotating the earth. It's about that more than anything else than it is about us. But it's important that people understand what these agendas are in this state because we are so brainwashed and so controlled. We have 100% carbon free, which would kill us um, because it's plant food and we need the oxygen coming from the plant, but we hundred percent carbon free agenda by 2040. We have hundred percent carbon free off our electric grid by 2030. That means electric cars, gas stoves, all the extreme agendas are happening here when it comes to that as well. I mean, I could go on and on there are other things too, but along with this, to be fair, a lot of the agenda items that went through are good. And so, and that's what they focus on in the media. And so it's so easy to brainwash people. So I want to invite you to go to sarahwestall.com, sign up for my newsletter, look at my news articles there, my uh, interviews. Also go, go to United for Free Speech, sign up for that newsletter. There's a censored conference that's happening. Our next one is July 28th and 29th. We will have, we have, they're just going to be continuing. The next one after that will probably be in October. And we are really pushing back. The initiatives is a pushback on this censorship because we need these rational voices talking against these agendas because the people are very naive and brainwashed and very, they're easy to manipulate. And we need to get to these people. And if they can hear the truth, the truth has a way of setting people free. You know, my people are set free by the truth and has a way. And, you know, you look at all the, great leaders through history, whether it's, you know, Jesus or Gandhi or Martin Luther King, all these great leaders all talked about the importance of truth and freedom of speech. And I, for some reason, these people think they know better than the greatest, most inspirational people in our history. And they're on the wrong side of history. We know it, but we got to push this back. And Google, I got to say this one last thing. I've been pushing back against big tech pretty heavily. Google has grown in market share. They had last year, they had 92% of the worldwide search engine market. This year, they grew by a percent. Now they're at 93% of the worldwide search market. In this country, we were at a little over 87%. Now we're at 89%. They are growing pretty quickly, which is scary to me. For us to be at 89% and for the world to be at 93%, that means there are countries in this world that are completely locked down into the Google world. Google feeds up their um, 
uh, their algorithm on YouTube, which is YouTube and, and Google are the only search engines allowed in most of our, our schools, only one that's allowed in universities and many element, most elementary schools, unless they're a private organization, it's Google. And only YouTube is allowed. They serve up, their algorithm serves up to adults about 76% of the time they serve up left-leaning or their globalist uh, propaganda publications are served up to people 76% of the time. Now, if you go to children, that number jumps up to 96% of the time. Their propaganda networks are um, up there for the kids. What are they up there for? It's like if you're watching a video, the next up and all the suggested videos, 96% of the time are their propaganda networks. And so that's what that's an indication of what they're trying to do. They're going after our kids because they're easier to go after. And we are pushing back. So I hope you go to United for Free Speech, sign up for that newsletter, watch the censor conference on July 28th, and then go to sarahwestall.com and support me. I'm censored all over the place. So your support really helps me. And now I want to open it up, Mads, for questions. Well, first, uh, a, a couple of uh, comments and clarifications. No, not comments. I want to ask you about is you mentioned it. I didn't ca catch it. You mentioned that you had a gentleman on your show a couple of times who so many child trafficking network. Could you just let let us know who that is and where we find information about this? Uh, well, he's this hero. Yeah, he's amazing. I did a six-hour series of presentations or videos with him back in 2016 and 2017. He's a he's I've kept in contact. He's a friend of mine, and you know, every year I said I just see him amazed by him. He's not a media personality. He's not all over the place. He's um, the the people in intelligence circles all know who he is. My interviews made it to the White House. You know, he was told they're all watching it at the White House. Um, he is known in those circles. If you go to my website and search for Rothstein, R-O-T-H-S-T-E-I-N, you can find those series of interviews. Of course, they've been deleted off YouTube, but I still have them on Odyssey and on audio podcast. Rothstein, uh, you said Rothstein, R-O-T-S-T-E-N? Rothstein, R-O-T-H-S-T-E-I-N. Here, I can send it in the, if people can see, I can send it I in messaging. It, yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah, perfect. I've got no, it this guy, he he worked with the first Pope, brought him in to um, help clean up the church, Pope John Paul. And within 30 days, that Pope was murdered. And um, he also worked with Nixon, actually, to take down the traffic and pedophile network. These are people that were doing snuff films on kids. There was 13 main distributors of them. He didn't mess around. They went in and just killed. They, they he didn't mess around. I mean, he's an intelligence agency. I mean, this was these guys went in. They got carte blanche to go in and take these guys out. They took out twelve of the thirteen um, distributors of snuff films, which are the most horrific, um, you know, pornographic. They kill the child during the the process, and they just took them out. And they they couldn't get to one of them. But this guy would go into, um, he was very respected with the prostitutes of, of the area, trafficked victims. They would talk to him. They trusted him. He, his informants were them, but he never used them, never abused them because they, you know, they trusted him. And they would call him in, you know, like they would say, he's, he'd tell me these stories about how this prostitute was being beaten up in this hotel room. And he would come in with his gun and he'd walk out with the only person alive 
would be that prostitute. I mean, he didn't mess around and everybody respected him because of that. And um, <laughs> he was just, and I, I, I didn't know that at first about him before I, I met him. You know, I just was told you got to, he's taken down more pedophile networks and everything. And I learned that about him. I'm glad I didn't know that because I, I don't know. And I had my husband go with me, but the guy is like a grandpa. I mean, he's just a loving human being. And it was all about doing the right thing. And he had morals and values. And, you know, he had tears coming down his face when he talked about some of these victims. And um, we, he's a hero. I just, I absolutely, um, he's, he's not, he won't be recognized by the defense. You know, he's a, a veteran in the military. He served in the wars. He was involved in the JFK assassination. There's all sorts of stories on that. Um, but he, he doesn't get his full pension or pension because they won't recognize him and then tell it because they don't want his story, his information coming out. But it's everyone knows he was part of intelligence. They all know who he is and what he was part of. It's um, I, if there's one thing that could be the right thing is to make sure he gets his retirement. He can and and pay him well so he can live the rest of his life out with out ever having to worry about anything. But anyways, OK, um, totally <laughs> any other agree. questions? I, I, I... Yeah, no, I mean, also, are you in, in, are you also in touch with the other, um, I think there's, there are a couple of big documentaries coming out next month about child trafficking. Mel Gibson is involved in one. There's another one as well. Are you involved with any of those? Well, I, uh, uh, yeah, in fact, the executive producer of The Sound of Freedom, he's been on my show twice. You can look him up. His name is Paul Hutchinson. He's the executive producer of the film. But he was still undercover when this firm, film was produced, and so he didn't have his name isn't on it. But he's the executive producer. He is the billionaire, um, uh, the billionaire who went undercover to take down in the film that took down this child. He was the one that was posing as the billionaire to. He was a billionaire, and then posing as a billionaire that was going to fund this this child trafficking um, entertainment center thing. And he talks all about it in my two interviews and then talks about other things, but he's the guy that was behind this film. He's the executive producer and he's the one um, he's a billionaire um, in this film. And so he's a real guy. And so he talks about from his personal standpoint, what he felt, what was going through his head, what was happening and you should really go watch that because he's the real deal. And um, it's so important. You know, I talked to uh, John Paul Rice, who's another Hollywood producer, he's a friend of mine. And, you know, I've got pushback, Sarah, this is the front, whatever, you know, from other people. And he's like, Sarah, the message is so important that all these people pushing back that this is a front needs to just knock it off because the message needs to go. They've had so many obstacles getting this film out. They finally have angel networks that put it out there it's all over the theaters the regular hollywood um the, the bigger hollywood studios would not touch it and he talks about all that and when you listen to my interviews with him i, I don't know anybody could come out of that feeling like he's a front because he he talks about how the the main character goes we've written it so the main character looks like this white you know you can't because in hollywood you you can't have 20 characters you have to reduce it to one or to more simplify the story he goes that main character that that's a compilation of 20 people and he's like that's how it is there's so many people involved in this and so we talked about how more people need to get involved in this in order to change this one out of four girls um in our country and this is unfortunately similar in many other countries one out of four girls are raped before the age of 10 
one out of four boy, one out of five boys are raped before the age of 18. When you have this kind of situation happening around the world or in your country, that's going to destabilize your communities right there. We, that sickness is pervasive everywhere in every institution and in every organization. And we were talking about how one third of those people make it out. Despite the trauma that they've had throughout their life, um, they become great citizens, great parents. They're amazing people. One third of them suffer their whole life with anxiety, but do not repeat abuse. They just are suffering souls and they can't ever get past that trauma. The other third become abusers themselves and are now our problem, their society's problem. So one third of all of 25% of, of the girls and one third of a fifth of all boys are now society's problems because they've never healed and now they re repeat abusers. Girls will either get involved in the business side of it and help with it, or they're just abusive parents abuse in the homes. They might not physically do the abuse themselves from a sexual standpoint, because it's not as common, but they verbally and mentally abuse these kids, or they might sell them out to others. The men become the abusers. They're the sexual abusers. It's, a, it's an epidemic. A lot of them become pedophiles themselves. The pedophiles are the ones that these institutions are um, these bad guys around the world are identifying and promoting into positions of power because they're easily blackmailed. They're sick human beings and they need help. They need to be healed first because we want to, we want to stop this epidemic immediately. So we need to heal these people first and then we, and, and get them out of ever being able to do it ever again, and then heal the children and anybody that's gone through this trauma so that they don't become offenders later. We have we have to. So we have to. We have a two prong thing that we need to do, and then we talk about that. And that I think, so I welcome I, I, everybody. I, I want to salute you, Sarah, for 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 being brave enough to 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 touch this subject because uh, many people are saying that you, we shouldn't talk about that because it would scare the listeners. But I think I think I'm sorry if someone has a problem drinking coffee. Okay, I don't. This to being disturbed drinking their coffee. We're talking about children here. So I'm so I'm so so. Uh, so impressed and grateful that you are you are you are you are brave enough to do that, and I think that has to be saluted. And I think that is also maybe one of the Achilles' heels, because once the people who are the, the collaborators, who are the executors of all their evil plans, once they realize their employers are pedophiles, that right. I think is their weak point. Because I think then so we, too. You might just win it. So I'm so glad you're doing this work, and um, we could talk on a lot after. Yeah, sorry. I want to tell you, Paul Hutchinson, the executive producer of Sound of Freedom, Mel Gibson was, you know, all these people. Um, he is speaking at the censored conference on July 28th as well, 29th. I don't know if it will be on 28th or 29th. We don't have the actual times yet, but he's speaking as well at that conference. Okay. Okay, Sarah, we're rounding off now. We have the next uh, next uh, program at, uh, in a couple of minutes. Thank you so much here from, from Bonhorn. You're welcome. I hope people got something out of this and they understood a little bit more of how the agenda is portrayed in legislation and, and to be hyper vigilant and aware of it. Thank you so much, Sarah.